listening to the Tennis.com podcast. And here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Welcome, everyone. Tennis.com podcast. Ed McGrogan here. I'm back with Pete Bodo, Steve Tigner after the Thanksgiving holiday stretch. World Tour Finals ended. Um, and thankfully, that uh, you know that's the last time the World Tour Finals will be going concurrent with Thanksgiving. Although Steve had a nice line about that in his piece today to, to suggest maybe even the contrary. So check that out. On the site, and uh, we're going to just hit today on the last official um, ATP event there. The final was Federer Sanga. It was actually the third Sunday in a row that they met. Federer, for the third time, beat Sanga. So we finishes the year with three tournament wins. Um, I asked in the poll today on the site really what this bodes for Roger for 2012. I asked specifically about the slams, but I just really want to get your guys' impressions kind of more overall, you know, what we see here would would it be a really big shock to you if let's say Federer dropped out of the his top four position next year? What is what do you think this really means, if anything, for next year for Federer? Well, I think it's hard to say. Um, judging from last year, he did the exact same thing last year. He finished twenty one and two. He won this tournament. He beat Nadal in the final, and then he you know he was sort of surpassed by Djokovic during you know as soon as the Australian Open. So it's. It's hard to say much beyond that, but I think what's the good news for Federer is that it's unlikely, I think, that somebody like Djokovic or Nadal are going to have that kind of year again. And so I think Federer will be will definitely be in the mix. Yeah, it, it was definitely the past two, more this year, like a perfect storm of things. And, and like we've, we've always said, too, is that, um, you know, Federer obviously came within a point of getting to another U.S. Open final. He wasn't far away but he did have obviously those moments where we've seen the past couple of years where it just it isn't the front running fetter of years past that we've you know grown to know and kind of expect those victories but, you know i keep thinking back to uh, i was trying to find this press conference last night uh, when i was writing my post and i just couldn't locate it but i remember one of those press conferences, one of those tournaments maybe in indian wells or in miami or something this, this year this year yeah, yeah. federer was somebody was asking me about jokovic and he very kind of wisely in a very low-key way he probably said this more than once in fact was says, says hey look the guy's playing great all more power to him and you know what he left hanging really was a question of but can it last you know that's that I think was a big thing with Djokovic and I think you know I, the minute you know there, it looked like there was an opening Federer was ready to move right in there I think you're right Steve about last year he played just he did something similar to last year but the conditions were so different this year which is why I was so much more impressed by what he did this year you know everything from the whole age issue you know the uh, being spooked by his age a little bit you can't help but be and then not just winning Basel and winning a tournament but then going on and finishing so strong I think it was it was really kind of surprising it was un- an unsurprising surprise yeah one, it, one other positive I think with uh, for Federer is the way he beat Rafa at this tournament Rafa wasn't at his best by any means and it's not his best surface but it was still the first time that I've seen Federer ever really play the way he plays against a lot of other guys and dominate the way he does against other guys, against Nadal, I, you know, I, I have to think that that's going to help him against, specifically against Rafa next year. Yeah, he probably saw Rafa. He probably saw Djokovic do it to Rafa the U.S. Open. He said, "If Djokovic yeah. can go head to head with this guy, play his game and get the better, why can't right. I?" You know, yeah, that's... exactly. Yeah, well, like you said, um, you know, Federer said it did last for a while for Djokovic. You know, well beyond Indian Wells, Miami, of course, whatever that was. But um, the lingering question, I think, of course, will be. Does does Roger Federer, you know, the way he played now, does he beat 
um, how Nadal and Djokovic were playing back months ago. That's, you know, what we'll end up kind of finding out, you know, pretty quickly. Um, unfortunately or fortunately, however you want to look at it, really, they already were running ads for the Australian Open. Brad Gilbert was doing a uh, mm-hmm. countdown. 47 I think, days. I think on the ATP site, they already have, uh, you can get your 2012 priority tickets for the O2. It's, it's kind of Kind of disgusting, actually, in my in hey, my. Hey, it's like Christmas, man. Come on, you you are coming off Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, and Cyber Monday. <laughs> Get with the program here. This is what they do. It's, it's <laughs> well, true. The ATP is doing it too. Now. I know. One uh, other thing, though, about this thing. I mean, does anybody else feel bad for Rafa? I mean, I think Rafa. You know, yeah, he won the French Open, but I mean, I think the guy's got to be hurting. I mean, you know, he you know his his whole after the U.S. Open, it's like. You know, Federer goes to make these special preparations and stuff and really, you know, really re-energizes himself. Nadal sort of goes through the motions, has a, you know, so-so Asian swing and then doesn't show up, you know, at the end of the year. I mean, I I think the guy, I'm really sort of concerned, you know, with a small C that, you know, that this guy's really just about had it, you know, that he's going to say, you know, who, who the hell needs his stuff? He was um – he was unusually seemed unusually unhappy at this tournament, and his fall definitely didn't work out. He went to Asia, which was a big trip. That didn't pan out. He lost twice there, and he skipped Paris, uh, thinking about these two tournaments and also for the future, for the for next year. And that didn't. He even admitted that that didn't help him at this tournament. But didn't look like he was thinking still, about this tournament, though, no, right? No, it didn't. He said that 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 he basically sacrificed this tournament for that. But um, I think maybe in a week we'll. We'll think of Rafa differently after after Seville, you know. Sort of, yeah. totally sort of like world. we're thinking about Federer a little differently after these past few weeks. Yeah, we'll get to Davis Cup actually in just a, in just a bit. One more player to mention. I, I I'd like to talk about Sanga just a bit here. Um, I think uh, when we look ahead and maybe look to these players who who you feel like could break through and and really um, you know win their first slam, kind of crack this um, top four that's been around for so long. Del Potro is a guy who comes up all the time. Um, Sanga, he, him and Djokovic in 2008 were the two that made the Australian Open final back then in a very surprising end of that tournament. And Sanga's 2011 season, of course, is nothing compared to the jump that Djokovic made. But he had a pretty good, uh, a very good year, I think much more consistent than we've seen from him. He wasn't... Um, Stayed healthy. That's a big role in it, of course. He obviously had the huge win over Federer at Wimbledon. Um, kind of sustained it going through Bercy, which is an event he always typically does well in. But it was a it was a nice year for Sanga. Just to close this out, um, what do you see? What did you see out of him, and what do you think about him moving forward? Maybe the future. He is. I think he's about twenty six now. Is that right? He's not exactly uh, right. super young around. still but certainly in his prime years right he made this tournament three or four years ago and hasn't made it since so you have to like what he did in the second half of the year um, especially winning these late tournaments and, and getting to the final of this that's a that's a definite jump up for him and the way he beat um, Rafa at this tournament you know, he hadn't done that for a while I think if you one thing when we talk about Federer and the top guys there haven't but there hasn't there aren't that many other lower ranked guys who we can see coming up to challenge them next year. Sanga is the closest. Um, I'm still, you know, he's still, even in this final, he was very up and down mentally. Uh, I still want to see him, you know, sustain it a little longer or just, just show a little more focus. I feel like there's still things that there's still vulnerabilities with him mentally. And in, in 
in his game. He's a joy to watch, but there are a lot of ifs with this guy, and there have always been a lot of ifs. And, you know, now you don't know there's an injury come up again. Heaven forbid. I hope not. But, you know, you don't know because his history is, is one way. He has not, doesn't seem to have really tightened up his mental game. And by now he should have, you know, given how close he's been to making a breakthrough. And I don't know. You know, I keep thinking back to that game and second set. I don't know. What was it? A 5-5? Five, five, Four one or something like that. Federer was like a swing of the racket away from two breaks, and Sanga mm-hmm. played some really, really loose points. He played it actually played a terrible game. He got out of it, but basically, r- right when he really needed to play a good game, this day in a match, you know, he didn't, and and he was lucky he got out of it, and we saw what happened. He made it a three setter, but you know, if if he loses that game, it, he was a hair, hair's breadth from losing mm-hmm. it. If he loses that game, it's like what three and three and two mm-hmm. or three and one it's or funny. something. You so. never know what's going to happen with that guy from game to game, point to point. So it's. It's tough to even predict for for him going, you know, all the way to the Australian Open at this point. Right, yeah. Um, The last tennis of the year uh, is next week. This week, sorry, Davis Cup final. I will actually be there, and uh, we'll have some reports on site. uh, So... Please, I implore you to check it out. And, are you going to uh, practice some? Are you going to try some bullfighting? Is it like a DIY bullfighting thing going on there? <laughs> I just in need. Seville? I just need do to, there, right? I just need to learn basic, basic Spanish first. Then we'll move on to the, the <laughs> Paz del Toro's place like that. Um, send any questions, by the way, to podcastattennis.com, and I'll try to work some of those into some some things over there. Um, this is Spain and Argentina. Three years ago, these two met um, in a in a situation where it was generally assumed that this was Argentina's final for sure. this Back then it was Nadal was not even playing uh, in the final. It was in Argentina, indoor hard court. Uh, they had Nel- – did they Nel- have Nelbanian yeah. or Nel- 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 was good. Yeah. Okay. Until the doubles. Correct. And ends up uh, – Verdasco ends up being the hero in all this. Spain gets a really – unlikely win and uh kind of there was some dissent i remember about how this was all handled with the, the argentine tennis squad and this time it's going back to spain it's uh indoor clay nadal will be playing so i think it's generally assumed the opposite is going to happen here so um any initial thoughts on on this is because this is where we'll see Rafa, like we're talking about uh he could you know at least put a, a bomb on the end of the year here of what's happened My but first, but first you never really know is, is watching him at the U.S. Open lose and be pretty discouraged, um, lose to Djokovic and be pretty discouraged right afterward. Then a week later, he was back on top of the world against France and Davis Cup on clay in Spain, playing as well as you know I've ever seen him play. So I could, I could definitely foresee, you know, with 20-some thousand fans, him, you know, his another sort of domination by Rafa leading them to, to, to win it. I think you have to bet on that. But I do like um, the way Argentina comes in with Del Potro and Nelbandian, two excellent players, two guys who have beaten Nadal in the past. Both of them much more rested than Ferrer and, and Rafa are right now. Yeah, um, Del Potro is, I think, one of the more, one of the you know Argentina. I think that one of their biggest chances, of course, he'll be a, he'll be top singles, I believe. Over um, he's he's got his ranking up fairly high at this point. Actually, he was he was within striking distance of making London. Actually, if a few results went his way. And um, you know Del Potro, I, I, let's say that's let's say it's a win over. This would be, I think, his um, sort of comeback event after after he, him winning the '09 Open, and we just kind of seen sporadic um, surges from him. He had a good run this year um, earlier in the, I believe, the spring hard court uh, season, but. Um, the rest of it is going to be doubles, and we're just trying to figure out the teams there. Spain is usually always Verdasco and Lopez. Argentina is kind of a mishmash and uh, of 
you know, the Juan Monaco's and whoever's not tired and maybe Monaco. Yeah. Any thoughts on this, Pete, uh, for your your own end? Uh, you know, it's kind of funny. I think I think in a way, if there's any advantage at all to the match being played in Spain for Argentina, it's that they get to sort of embrace a siege mentality and really function as a team. Whereas, you know, in Argentina, they're bickering, backbiting. Now, Bandian, apparently, from what I understand, feels like he's got ownership of the team. Del Potro doesn't really like the way Dal Bandian, you know, throws his weight around. You know, so that, those were all issues, I think, in that, in that when, when Spain beat them in that final. And so they've been sort of snake bit. Now, now that, you know, Grant Granted, it's tough Simon to go against Rafa, but Rafa, you know, has he ever been more vulnerable than he is right now? You know, I doubt it. Now, granted, it is red clay, as Steve said. Uh, I think maybe the lack of match play might hurt the Argentines a little bit. You know, to have all that time off, to get into great shape, but not to be in match situation, especially with the kind of crowd they're going to have in Spain, could could be tough for them. But, you know, the fact is, you know, you got you, you got to you got to think maybe the double is going to be critical. So, and you got to give Spain the edge of that. I think, I think Jimmy Arias, our, our man, Jimmy Arias, who I think we're all liking these days on his commentary on tennis channel, as he said, he looks at those lineups and he doesn't see a doubles team, you know, on, mm-hmm. on Argentina's side. And that's, and that could be critical. We know how many ties are decided by the doubles. Probably the key guy will be Ferrer, right? We can probably, you know, sort of bet on Nadal winning. Um, but Ferrer says he's, he said he's tired and he's played, he played a lot of tennis in For- London and he's not, so dominant over over now Bandy and, and Del Potro to think that he can that he's just gonna automatically win right for his him, second for him to match. say for him to say it's tired for is him kinda, to say he's tired is something kind of pretty telling and Del Potro yeah. can overpower people even on clay we've seen that at the French Open that year he got to the semis I think it was the year Roger won it I guess yep um, and uh, so yeah I mean it's, it's gonna be an interesting time I think you can have a good time there at Tapas oh, that's good. Sangria yeah Flamenco yeah. make sure you get Daniel some nice presents yeah. It, <laughs> it's the season. Why not? Um, yes. <laughs> you have to have their. You have to have their hand. By the way. Yeah. I'm, I'm, Chris Clary of who writes for the Herald Tribune or New York Times. He lived in Seville for a long time, and he's told me all about the Seville has a very famous ham culture. So make sure you make sure you have some of that. He'll show you around. I'm a fan of pork yeah. and pork products. So let's. Uh, we'll. we'll We'll move on to that, and uh, like I said, and that's it. What are we going to do? I mean, Yenda. I, I, we'll I don't on. know. We'll see really if they seg- start playing tennis we'll again, right? On, yeah. you, can't really, <laughs> you can't really segue from pork to anything really, uh, you know, tennis-wise here without causing a little bit of a stir. So, um, check back in tennis.com for reports from Seville, thoughts from these two gentlemen from the states, and throughout December we'll have a lot of. Your interview, looking ahead type of uh, material, as you've come to expect over the years. Thank you for all listening. We'll tune in next time. You've been enjoying Tennis.com's weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com. 